that music means, of course, it is time for your Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso, Clay Ferrero in this week. Dukey uh, taking Super Bowl Sunday off because he's busy with the Super Bowl. As we watched uh, Tom Brady win a sixth title, this pod will not focus on that because we don't want to just continue to depress Dolphin fans, even though Dolphin fans do get Brian Flores now. Hey, his defense gave up three points. There yes, you go. Yeah, bring along some of those players, and maybe Belichick and all is good. But um, obviously, Flores is a big storyline of the week ahead. But also, Clay, and this is the direction we're going, is the NBA trade deadline. And I spent the weekend, and pretty much the most of last week, having to hear from Heat fans who were just unbelievably disappointed, as I think anybody who follows the Heat, and even people in the organization, at what's happened to a team that started last week at 500, loses three in a row at home, all ugly losses. I mean, Thunder, they were never even close. They lose by by 20 to a terrible Bulls team. You know, I, Then they a, a Pacers team without Victor Oladipo. It leaves everyone wondering, what happens this week, if anything, Clay? Is there anything that he can do to, I, to do any kind of positive momentum moving forward at this trade deadline? Positive, no. No, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I had a better answer. I, I think Wayne Ellington is obviously the the guy who you would look at as the most likely guy to be traded because I think he offers something to a contending team, and you know he's he's on the type of deal where it's not it's not like he's going to contribute to the Heat moving forward, and, yeah. and frankly, he hasn't contributed lately because they can't find a spot for him. The problem you have with this team is that you really have three assets on the roster, and that's Josh Richardson, Bam Adebayo. And Justice Winslow has become the biggest asset with his contract. Assets as far as first-round picks goes, yeah, you got those. Beyond that, you've got nothing on this roster except liabilities. And it just speaks to the poor, poor contracts that Pat Riley has given out. Yeah, and and that's the hurtful thing because I think a couple of years ago, and I'm trying to get into the mind of you know Riley and the organization, what they may have been thinking. I think they saw in particular a couple guys with the heat culture of James Johnson and Deion Waiters, who came in, dedicated themselves physically, emotionally, bought into the Heat culture and had career years. They turn around and give them big deals. And I think giving them the deals wasn't the mistake. Giving them the years was. Bringing James Johnson and Deion Waiters back fundamentally wasn't a mistake. I I could see why the Heat wanted them back. And Deion in his mid-20s at the time, uh, you think to yourself, hey, maybe a a former first-round pick has turned the corner. J.J. is a veteran in this game of position list that the Heat love and, you know, and quite frankly, the NBA loves so much. J.J. seemed to fit the mold of that kind of player who can guard a big but play with the ball in his hands, who can attack but can also shoot as he did well a few years ago in the one big season he had. But when you look at the four years, that was the killer. Kelly Olynyk, same thing. You bring in a guy like Kelly, you think he's a valuable asset, and he's a, he's a, he's a darn good player. I mean, Kelly's a solid player that I get a lot of teams would want. The problem is the years, Clay, and is the years. And you look at, for instance, the deal the Knicks made. What was the draw from the Mavericks to the Knicks? It wasn't that they necessarily wanted uh, the players the Mavs gave or Dennis Smith, you know, as much as they like them. I mean, the the draw was you were getting expiring contracts. And right now, the Heat don't have any of that. Yeah, if you had given two-year deals instead of four-year deals, you would have those expiring mm-hmm. contracts this year. And, and you would be the one who was going to be on the phone with a Kevin Durant, a Kyrie Irving, a Jimmy Butler, and, and all the guys who are going to be coming available. I want to get your take because I think, you know, we're going to talk about this deadline. But I also want to turn it into a next deadline thing. And, and the, the optimist 
here. And I, and I try to keep optimistic instead of just, oh, the Heat stink. They're not going anywhere from a from a next couple of year perspective of being a contender or getting a superstar because that's just the negativity you're going to hear. I get it. Fans are frustrated. I, I don't mind the frustration. People want to win. People want a reason to believe this team can be a contender in the next couple of years. But, Clay, you follow this as much or even more than I do, and that's, look, next year the Heat at the deadline could have attractive stuff like Hassan Whiteside and Goran Dragic, who are then going to be going into the final years of their contract, expiring deals, all those things. But the problem is this. The free agent class of the following year is nothing like the free agent class that's coming up this summer. No, the more you look at this thing, 2021 is going to be the earliest that you mm-hmm. can dig yourself out from this hole that you've you've put yourself in. And we've talked at length about the bad deals and, and who they are and you know, what the mistakes were. I think what, I, what I'd like to kind of look at a little bit is what was Pat Riley's mindset when these, when these deals were made and where the mistake was. And I, I think From Riley's, the four-year perspective. From the four-year yeah. perspective, I think the biggest thing Riley messed up on with these guys was assuming that there was another ceiling with them. Because you bring them in, the heat culture thing, they work really hard, and, and they have close to career years, if not career years. Feels like they're getting their careers on track. But then it was, all right, I think they can be better than that. When, in reality, they regress to the mean. And this is what we've seen before. Guys kind of are who they are. Very rarely do you see guys taking enormous leaps beyond their third year. Yeah. And the other thing, Will, I was looking back. I think Pat Riley always looks back, and and he actually talked about this at his uh, end-of-year news conference. He always looks back on the trade for Shaquille O'Neal, and he looks back on the big moves. And, yeah, yeah you you give up assets, but but you always look for that whale. And, and Shaquille O'Neal certainly was that guy. But you look at the guys that they gave up in that, in that trade. Yeah, Brian Grant was older. But it was more of a, a cap filler mm-hmm. at that point. But the two key pieces of that deal were Karan Butler and Lamar Odom. Odom yeah. Young ascending guys, yeah. 24 and 25 years old. And I think the mistake here was that Riley not only overestimated the potential ceiling for some of these players, but where they are and where they were in their careers when they signed. Now, Deion Waiters, I want to say he was only he, I think he was, he was 25, 25, yeah. 25 or 26 when he signed, yeah. but that was when he signed the deal. That was not with you know, the benefit of, of a few more years in mm-hmm. the system. By the time— Well, and then with a bum ankle, which right, you know, they, they right. knew he had a bad ankle. I don't know if they knew it would be a year off. But. Right. So, I mean, you look back and you say, okay, I, I understand what Riley was going for, but those moves that he's made in the past, it was with younger players who it was very clear were were on the way up and who had already put in the work and and had the ability to reach a new ceiling based strictly on their talent level. It was not the types of guys that Riley gave those four-year deals to now. Real quick, want to mention, as always, our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money at a cargo to a place with a reputation, I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. Clay, I want to look at it from this week's perspective, okay? We can get into the long-term stuff, sure. Is there a scenario, to your point about you know Lamar and Karan, the Heat were very close to dealing for Jimmy Butler early in the season, before the season. I mean, there was deals that seemingly were in place early in the season. Uh, those deals potentially included Josh Richardson, 
and then the whole, you know, maybe pulling Josh back. But the, the point is, if they were able to deal for a Jimmy Butler just a couple months ago, a few months ago, and give up young pieces, what's not to say that they couldn't make a move now at this deadline for, say, a Bradley Beal or someone like that? Or are you at the point now where you just say, I can't move my young assets now because the reality is you bring me a Bradley Beal, you bring me anyone in that in that range, which is, by the way, you know, I think a damn good NBA player, obviously. We're not going anywhere this year. At this point, do you think the Heat's best road is just keep this roster, see what happens, and go from there? Well, I think Bradley Beal is the type that I would be willing to give up assets for, and, and only because age what he brings to the table, and also that, okay, you've, you've got a guy to build around, but mm-hmm. then I also think he's somebody who would mesh so well with Justice Winslow. Because I think what you've seen over these few weeks, and this is going to go to your original question, back when that deal for Jimmy Butler was simmering, Josh Richardson was your best, best trade asset. Now, Richardson is not. It's Justice Winslow. But I think Justice Winslow has become so good that you look at him more now mm-hmm. as a centerpiece moving forward as opposed to strictly a trade asset. Now, if you have – hey, if New Orleans called and they said, hey, uh, I know you haven't called us yet, but we really love Justice Winslow and we'll give you Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis were to say he wanted to come to Miami – that's that's the only type of player I would be willing to move Justice Winslow for now. Yeah, and that's not going to happen. No, 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 no. You're speaking as hypothetical yeah. as what you would do. Hypothetically, yeah. what I'm saying is I don't give up Winslow. Uh, there are a lot of guys out there that I are, are considered stars that I would not trade Winslow for right now. Anybody else on the roster, I would. But you mentioned Beal. I think his game would mesh so well with Justice mm-hmm. Winslow that that would be the type of deal that you make that would get you closer to being where you want to be. Any other deal, uh, there are just very few guys out there that I would mortgage my future assets in order mm-hmm. to bring in. I, it has to be somebody that meshes well with Winslow, who I think is going to be a cornerstone of this franchise. You know, I've said often here on the pod, and we've discussed it, that you can't have two stars or three stars until you have one star. The uh, The point is the Heat need to get a star at some point. I just don't see it being this trade deadline. And the way things set up financially – I don't see it being obviously free agent wise in the offseason unless somehow they can move money around. And the fact that they can't move that money around right now seems unlikely that they will move it. I think if the Heat do anything this week, as you mentioned off the top, I think a Wayne Ellington type move is obviously one that they could do. I think they're looking for ways to try to get under that and, and avoid that luxury tax. I think those are all things that that could happen, but none of these are things that excite Heat fans. And the bottom line is this. There are two heat types of Heat fans right now. You know, there's the the delusional, I think, ones that think, hey, we can get those star players. Why don't you just trade Bam and Justice and get Anthony Davis or, you know, Bradley Beal? And, and if only it was that easy to acquire stars. I mean, right. it just doesn't work that way. And then the the real pessimistic fan, which just is tank. And here's the problem with tanking. Number one is we know the Heat don't do it. I mean, a true tanking where you're just just playing to nobody and you're just trying to lose, it's not going to happen. The Heat are going to play their players play their best that they feel the best chance they'll have them win and number two is he'd have 24 wins already as we speak it's too late I mean even if the Heat are terrible down the stretch in the final 30 plus games and win eight or nine games and then that's and that's like bad right they're still in the mid-30s and wins which means they don't make the playoffs and they don't have a top six or seven pick which is where you want to be you really theoretically want to be in the top five with this draft even though there are some players six seven eight that could be impactful but the reality is the Heat are sitting maybe in the worst situation right now. They 
are fringe to make the playoffs, right on the outskirt of being that 7-8 seed or being that 9-10 seed when it's all said and done, anywhere from 36-37 to 41 wins, or they're going to be like 12th pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. And none of those excite you or make you feel better about the immediate future. And And look, as much as I'm a heat homer and I'd love to give you the silver lining of it and the optimist view of it, that's not good. No, and, and this is why, again, you use the Bradley Beal example and why I, I like him so much because it would get you just a little bit closer. Uh, but to your point originally about the free, 2020 free agents are going to be bad. 2021, you're going to have restricted Donovan Mitchell and, and Jason Tatum. Uh, but I think the, the unrestricted guys is what you're more interested mm-hmm. in. You're going to have a Damian Lillard, DeMar DeRozan, C.J. McCollum, obviously Davis, but I think we all know He's likely heading to, to L.A., mm-hmm. Bradley Beal, and Giannis. So that's the type of class that, that you're looking at and saying, okay, if you're going to clear the deck, right now it has to be 2021. It just seems so far off, but the position that he to put themselves in right now, unless you can get somebody like a Beal that you know will pair really well with Justice mm-hmm. Winslow moving forward, I, I can't see a scenario where you're looking at this thing saying, okay, let's just get a little bit closer to where maybe we get blown out in the first round by Philly instead of Toronto. Yeah. Let's get the six instead yeah. of the eight. It's just it doesn't make that much sense to me right now. And here's the other thing, Will. Mickey Harrison's going to have to agree to, to pay more of a luxury tax if and, and you're going to make a and move And I don't like know that. if you're – the, yeah, the reality is I don't know if he would want to do that Given what you just said, this team won't be significantly better. And look, if they had gotten Jimmy Butler, this is still probably, what, a 5-6 seed in the East. Mm-hmm. Because the way it's shaping up in the East, the top three or four teams, it look, and Indiana having the injury at Oladipo obviously knocks them down, but they were looking like a top three seed team. They were, you know, 15, 16 games over 500 playing great basketball. Mm-hmm. That They obviously slipped now, but the point is, even if they had made the Jimmy Butler deal, this has really never been about this season. There was no move the Heat could have done this year to make them the best team in the Eastern Conference. It just wasn't. Nope. Even if they got one of those stars, that one star won't make you better. Uh, the only We've known in this league, there's only one star that makes you the best the best team in your conference, potentially. That's LeBron James. And we had him for four years, and we obviously had him with two other stars. But the point being, there was never it was never about this year in acquiring a superstar or making that next move. It was about getting that first one to then get that second one exactly. to then get that third one, and then the 2021 be in position where not only you got players, but you're a championship contender. Yeah, and let's go back to the Jimmy Butler thing, because I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to depress people anymore, but he's buddies with Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. And you see what's going on right now in Boston. It All ain't copacetic there. It ain't going so well. So now it's looking like the Knicks are a potential destination for Kevin Durant and, and maybe a Kyrie. But if you would have already had a Jimmy Butler there, then yes, that's and where... That's, and, that's the enticing thing. Yeah, so I... It, Going back to this year's trade deadline, I again, it's no. I don't think there's anybody out there that, that makes you an, an instant contender unless that hypothetical crazy scenario where Anthony Davis all of a sudden wants to come here. But if there is a deal presented to you where it gets you inches closer mm-hmm. and somebody pairs well with Winslow moving forward, yeah, you entertain it, but that also requires Mickey Harrison to be willing to go deeper into the luxury tax. And for this year's team... I don't see that, and, no. and it would it would take a heck of a sales job by Pat Riley to go in and convince him to do that. Yeah, and you know, I, I want to touch on another subject that has to do, obviously, with this team, but and it's a subject we talk a lot about, and you can't always go by social media because we know that the anger that social media brings, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or whatever, I mean, people are just about venting, and I, mm-hmm. and I get it. It's a good place to vent, but this stuff with Eric Spolstra, 
I will be the first to tell you, and I can say it openly, and I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't think Eric Spolster would disagree. He's actually said he's not sure he's made the right decisions with his rotation. I don't know if Eric Spolster's done a great job with this roster and what he has, but I also don't know if it matters. Yeah. And when I say that, I don't mean that to set it aside to protect Spo or defend Spo. What I'm saying is I'm not sure that there's any coach in the NBA that can have this team and this roster of so many similar players, a logjam that Pat Riley acknowledged seven, eight months ago, that we could sit there and say ex-coach would have done a better job with this team and this team would be the five seed in the East and playing great basketball. I just don't see it. Now, that doesn't mean that there are a couple games, five, maybe even four or five games, where Spo, if he had been better with, with certain moves and rotation, they would have won instead of lost. But I also think you could probably pick four or five games during the season where Spo did a good job sticking with the hot group or playing the right guy and, and pressing the right buttons. And I know that that doesn't make anyone feel better, but I think the bottom line is the same thing. This isn't a Spo problem. This isn't a rotation problem. This is a roster problem. Yeah, and I, hey, I've been critical of Spo's rotations, and, and a lot of people have. And I do think he's made some mistakes, and I don't understand how he can't figure out how to have, at the time, his five best players playing. Insane. But if, if you're giving me percentages, you're saying, hey, Clay, tell me, percentage-wise, whose fault is this season? 97% Pat Riley, 3% Eric Spolstra. Mm -hmm. And and that's I, I don't think it even shifts one way or the other. And certainly, look, I, that's that's not absolving players of the blame. But if you're telling me as far as executives go and, and players and people in position of power in this organization, who is at fault? Who is responsible for the mess that is this team right now? Because, Will, it is a mess. Well, it is it is a, a unmitigated disaster because you are in that place that no one wants to be, which is purgatory. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing, you know, Mess to me is a strong word, and again, I come. I I understand that I come from a place of being a homer and doing stuff with the team, and I get it, and it comes across as I'm trying to defend the team. But here's something that there's no defense for. I don't think it's a mess, but I know what you mean. You mean a mess in the sense that you'd rather be really, really bad than this. Yes. And I get it. But here's another issue, and again, and we all watch games, and I'm assuming people who are listening are Heat fans that watch every game. Tell yourself and ask yourself, how many times do you watch a Heat game and the Heat have the best player on the court? Rarely. Zero. I, Rarely. I, I think that they're if you very go through every NBA roster, most NBA rosters have one player at least that's better than anyone on the Heat. And Will, that, I, that I doesn't would, mean I would the argue, Heat don't have... I would argue... Sorry, not to interrupt. I would argue every team... Every, no, no, that doesn't always maybe, mean because you may play a team that has one player that's better, but the Heat have five or six no, 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 players no, no, that I are agree. better than yes. their second player. You yes. see what they, so, yeah, 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 and that's yeah. the thing with the Heat. They have so many good second and third players, but in the NBA, you, you can't win with second and third players. Not consistently. You win with number ones, and you mm -hmm. have to have a number one. Now, if the Heat had a number, if the, the Heat had a Jimmy Butler or Bradley Beal, one of those guys, I'm not even going full rum like Anthony Davis or right. Kawhi Leonard here. Just those next-tier guys. With those other guys we talk about, the Heat are probably a 46-win team, right? Maybe a five-seed in yes. the East, somewhere yes. that four-five seed in the East. And at least you feel like, hey, we got that one centerpiece. We can enjoy our games and watch this team with the whole, knowing that, hey, every night you could see this guy. The saving grace this year for the Heat, let's face it, is Dwayne Wade. You know, I was at the 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 Indiana game. Dwayne had 21. The crowd erupted every time he scored. He made some tough shots that, you know, brought the heat back to within. I think they got to within the five late in the game, mostly because of Dwayne. And it was great. It was a lot of fun. But you left with this empty feeling of like, wow, my highlight tonight was Dwayne Wade, who in a couple of months, in a few months, is going to retire. Mm -hmm. 
what am I left with for next year and the following year? And I think that, and that's a legitimate question. And that's the only person who can truly answer that is Pat Riley. Uh, Eric Spolster can't, there's nothing he can tinker with the rotation. Look, Goran Dragic is going to be back uh, later in the month. That's great. Uh, it, how he handles that is, again, another big coaching question. How much of the point he takes away from Justice Winslow? I think it's a nice problem to have. But again, it's not going to make Heat fans feel better. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's anything we can say or anything they can do outside of trading for a superstar that can make Heat fans feel better. Except maybe validating your your concerns. You know, I, misery loves company, and I, I think you, you do have— He will, by the way. I think Pat, at the end of the season, if this season continues like this, is going to have a mea culpa where he's going to say, look, I'm looking back at it, I'm the one who screwed this up. I, I agree, because and that takes me to my next point. As much as, as fans are hurting right now and fans are hating to see this, I guarantee you nobody is angrier when he looks out on that floor night in and night out. Nobody is angrier than Pat Riley. Mm-hmm. No one. He knows that he created this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I use the word mess, you know me, man. I... I hate mediocrity. No, so listen, I, I am, we talk Dolphins all the time. I, Why do we hate the Dolphins? Are the Dolphins truly the worst team in the NFL every year? No, but they're the most mediocre, right. and that might be worse than worst. Hey, at, at the end of the year, I, Cleveland Browns, I think, are in a really good spot moving forward. Well, as they, bad as they've they been. They got Baker and won seven games, and right. they're, on, they're ascending. And look, now the Dolphins, hey, you've got the right idea. You're going to tank in 2019. Yeah. You're going to try to get your quarterback in 2020. I think the Marlins have the right idea with what they've done the last couple of years. So... It's the worst place to me that you can be is not just mediocre, not just temporarily Mm -hmm. mediocre, but building your franchise and building your roster for perpetual mediocrity. And that's what drove me nuts for the Dolphins, with the Dolphins for a few years. And it's what's driving me nuts with the Heat right now, because to me, there is no way out until 2021. One more mention, our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. Which brings us to, if you're really going to be critical of the Heat organization, here is the fair criticism, okay? Here it is. The fair criticism is the Heat were smart enough to acknowledge they needed stars. They went after Gordon Hayward. They went after they they would have loved to have gotten into the mix with Kawhi or Kyrie or any of those guys. Couldn't happen. They obviously went after Jimmy Butler, came close to acquiring him. The Heat get it. They understand what they need. The misstep and the real criticism of them is that Pat, Andy, Spo. That entire group, as they sat there with their board of ideas and the front office ideas for moves in the offseason and for building forward, should have said, look, we want to keep Dion. We want to keep JJ because we have and we believe and we sell heat culture. We cannot tank, right? We cannot just tank. But what we can do is give ourselves the flexibility that if our team organically tanks, as is happening now, as they now trend downward, we can then make those moves. Mm-hmm. To your point, if they had made those two-year contracts, now, as this team sits struggling, then they could have looked at the fan base and said, hey, we're not playing how we thought we might play. Yep. So that's why we're moving all these deals. That's why we're acquiring draft picks. That's why we are probably going to be worse as the year continues with the thought that now we can have flexibility next summer get a high draft pick, and be better starting next year. If they had thought of it that way to give themselves the problem is they tied themselves down 
to the mediocrity. And that is the big, that's the one misstep that I can truly say, okay, you know what? If you're going to really criticize the Heat, it's not for caring. It's not for having Heat no. culture and wanting to believe you could still compete. Because I think as a fan, you want your organization to believe to compete. It's the honest assessment to look, we can compete, but we got to give, our, give ourselves the flexibility because we can't compete for championships, and that's what we're all about. I can guarantee you, if you're listening to this, Pat Riley feels the same way you do. He's not looking at this roster saying, no, you know what, I, I think I'm just going to keep this together because I think that uh, we can we can take another step. No, he hasn't made moves because he can't, because well, nobody wants what Butler. this team— They wanted Jimmy Butler, and they tried, and they were close. And nobody wants what this team has to offer. And Period. a lot, and a lot of times, you know, it's funny. A lot of times, it's not even about the player; it's, it's about the contract. Yeah, yeah. You no, think the asset, Knicks? Asset, you think the Knicks yes. wanted DeAndre yeah. Jordan? Yep. No, they just yep. no, they love that that that. that. Deal that is is ending. No, expiring. Wesley Matthews. No, yeah, that's, that's it. That's and it. That's, and that's the thing. So teams would trade for James Johnson and Dion Waiters if they didn't have two years left on their contract. Right. And teams would trade for Hassan if he didn't have another year on his contract. You see, so the, those are the issues. It's not necessarily the player. The NBA is never about the player anymore. That's why you see these lopsided deals. Are like, who are these guys going to? Why do you want those guys? Well, because their deals expire, and now I've got cap space. What the Knicks are trying to do, uh, the Heat. That is the one misstep in their in their determination and in their focus to remain relevant and competitive, which, again, is part of the heat culture, the part of the heat DNA, their identity. They took a misstep in giving themselves the flexibility that if the plan, you know, what's the old abort mission? Right. You know, if the plan doesn't go yeah, well, yeah. hit the eject button yeah. and go back the other way because if the heat are in that position. They're sitting in their position. They could stink the rest of the year, get a top six or seven pick, get an elite young player and have money this offseason. That would have been ideal, and that could have been done a couple years ago. So You'll never convince me that somebody else was going to offer Dion or James Johnson, or frankly, even Kelly Olenek, four-year deals. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, I th- again, I could sit here and defend everyone with the heat as much as I can, and sometimes I get called the defender, and I get it. I understand. Uh, but in this case, I can't. Uh, I do – I will say this, though. And if I'm going to end it on a positive, I will say this. I don't want to come across as the homer that says things are going to be okay. But, Clay, I say this with all sincerity. This is a rough patch. It sucks. It sucks to be mediocre. But I still think things are going to be okay. I think the Heat will figure out a way to recognize their mistakes. Remember, this is the end game is long-term. The end game isn't this year or next year. It is long-term. I think the Heat, given the love of Miami, of, other, of players around the league, and wanting to be part of this, not only the organization, but part of the city, I think the Heat will be back in the next couple of years. I do. I think that, and you would hope it'd be sooner if they could somehow figure it out. But I, I do think, unlike some cities where you say, man, we, when are we ever going to get out of this? I think the Heat, because of the things that are attractive about the franchise, the success over the years, the way they've built it with such continuity, the whole Heat culture, and of course, living in the city of Miami, I do think the Heat are going to be okay eventually. It just thinks that, that eventually isn't this offseason. And I think they'll learn from these mistakes. Yeah, I think so too. I think we learned a little bit there in our Miami sports pod. I think we'll learn more about Brian Flores this week as uh, he's coming to South Florida as a Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots. I'm sure we'll talk plenty of that next week. And if anything happens at the deadline with the Heat, of course, we'll talk about that as well. We appreciate you listening here on the Miami sports pod.